Hello and welcome to another Lights Camera Sports Podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, so happy to be back once again this week. It's a good week. BC coming off a victory over Louisville, 45-42 to in football. Also, basketball is right around the corner. So with that time of year, I thought it'd be nice to check in with Eric Hofsis. He writes for BC Interruption, part of the SB Nation website group. And uh, he covers basketball as well as uh, also knows a lot about football as well. So uh, we check in with Eric for a very lively podcast. Very, very exciting. I'd like to remind everybody, too, if you're a BC football fan, make sure to be part of the largest fan group on the Boston College community. That's the BC Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Okay, first we'll hear from our sponsors. Uh, Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone Loving Pizza, and go right into the podcast with Eric Hoffis. As always, thanks so much for listening. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast, presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. Hello everybody, I'm Mike Galtieri, happy to be with you. Uh, this time a good experience coming off a BC football win on Saturday over Louisville. Score 45-42, to 42. so uh, good times here on this week here with BC football. Uh, but we're lucky enough to be joined this week by Eric Hofsis. You know him. He was BC Interruption, uh, BCI basketball writer, also worked many years for Rivals, has a real, real big passion for BC sports. So it's a good chance to get him on the Lights, Camera, Sports podcast. First of all, Eric, thanks so much for the time. You got it, Mike. No problem. So, Eric, just give us uh, your history with the school and uh, how you go back in covering BC sports. Yeah, Mike, I'm... uh kind of one of the uh, different ones out there that didn't actually go to BC. I went to uh, Quinnipiac down in Connecticut and uh, I went to school for broadcast journalism. And uh, I wrote for a a paper down there for uh, a a short while uh, uh, down in Marion, Connecticut, small paper. And then I was actually a uh, radio DJ for a couple of years in Hartford on a rock radio station. Oh yeah, what station? Uh, Radio 104 in Hartford uh, kind of went defunct for a while, and I think they, they re-brought it back a couple of years ago. Yes, yeah. Um, but at, at the station kind of went defunct while I was working for it. They switched to uh, hip-hop, and they didn't think I, uh, my voice fit in with that style. So um, <laughs> to make a long story short, I, I, I was really into college sports, and uh, I, I kind of I was writing some BC stuff um, for this kind of fan website, um, like, God, I should remember the name, but it was like 
bceaglesfootball.com or something like that. And um, after doing that for like a year, I reached out to Mike Farrell. Um, I, I saw that Mike Shalin was uh, and Ed Ryan, kind of two of the guys that had been with Rivals for a few years, were leaving their beats. And I initially reached out to cover college basketball because um, I'm really big into basketball. And, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Farrell said, hey, I'll take a chance on you if, as long as you work hard. And he brought me aboard. And uh, eventually, you know, he liked my work for basketball, so he had me do football too. And, uh, yeah, I spent about seven, eight years at, at Rivals until they decided to go in a different direction. And uh, now I'm over at, at BCI. And, uh, uh, you know, my, my pro- probably the probably a good move on my part in the end, you know, little bit bigger of an audience over at, at BCI that can read my stuff. So I'm very happy to be working with those guys now. That's excellent. That's excellent. And, you know, it's a, it's a good story. I think BC needs a lot more people like you who have a passion who might not have attended this school uh, but still have a passion for the sports department. Yeah, you know, there's definitely um, there's definitely a void in the market of, of people who didn't go to the school that are BC fans. I, I know there's, you know, a small community of us. But, uh, uh, you know, once – uh, for BC, I, I think I think it's important to be winning again uh, first and foremost, and then after that, I think I think there's a opportunity for uh, Martin German to, to kind of explore people like me that didn't go to school and do love college sports, and uh, there's definitely an opportunity to reach out to that group. But we're a ways away from that, you know. First things first, got to get back to back to winning. That's for sure. Yeah, no question about it. How did you become a BC fan? As you were speaking, got me curious. Did you grow up in this area, the Boston area? Yeah, I grew up. I grew up uh, in the Central Mass area, and uh, it was just one of those things. I had a uh, my uncle took me to some BC games when I was really small, so I, I kind of I, I got to see like Dana Barrows play and uh, and uh, some people like that. And uh, it, you know, I, I, a friend's older brother was really into college football, and he kind of brought me up like that. So. Um, yeah, I just I just was brought in at a, at a young age, so uh, that's that's definitely something to it to explore for BC too. Just kind of getting kids hooked. I know I know for basketball they they do a pretty good job of that when the students are away, and I, I think that's a good opportunity for sure. No question about it. Okay, Eric, let's now go into this weekend's game. First of all, let me just get your general thoughts on a BC getting a W over Louisville, uh, forty-five to forty-two this past Saturday. I mean, I, I was shocked. Um, obviously, BC was heavy underdogs. I, I, I did actually pick BC to cover that big spread of 22 points um, because, I mean, Adazio has done a good job at BC, right or wrong. He has done a good job of uh, kind of keeping games close against superior competition. Um, I know that's something that drives the fans a little bit nuts that he, he they think he sometimes coaches it clo- close to uh, make it look good on the scoreboard instead of uh, taking some chances and going for a W but and I think I think this game in particular really surprised me because it wasn't one of those uh, you know kind of keep it close games where you know the score is 14 to 14 headed into the fourth quarter and BC has a chance to win it. I mean, this was an all out shootout. And if I knew going into this game that it was going to be a shootout like that, I would never in a million years think BC was going to come out on top. But 
credit to the to the team. That game was not played at their pace or anywhere near they probably wanted to play, you know, points wise on the scoreboard, but they, they they found a way to get it done, so congrats to them for sure. Yeah, you know, and let's get let's break it down too. What do you think uh right at the bat comes screaming at me the quarterback situation now? Anthony Brown started this year. Uh first of all, they had a big battle in the summer. Anthony Brown won it out. Has started mixed results, has spread the field out, uh, but been unable to really hit the players, the field, downfield, the passes. Uh, so he got hurt. Darius Wade came in and, uh, you know, ran the offense pretty well, effectively. A lot of naked bootlegs, short passes, tight ends. Um, so what's your general thoughts on the QB comparison as we head into next week as well in Virginia? It's it's tough for me because I, I, I even put this out on Twitter, but um, Darius is honestly one of the nicest kids I've ever met at BC and uh, I, I feel like he's a natural leader and I was really shocked when uh, Anthony Brown started the season at, at, at QB I, I was just like wow I really thought it was Darius's time and he's the kind of guy that would have a uh, kind of a veteran presence over the team and uh, like you said Anthony Brown has shown flashes he's been up and down um, I, you know what I think uh, it, it hurts me to say it, but I, I do think if Anthony Brown's healthy, that I, I probably put him in. I think his ceiling is a lot higher than Darius's ceiling, whereas Darius's uh, floor might be a little higher than Brown's. But um, you know, I, I, I think I think BC needs to go with the younger guy with the the higher ceiling. So. Does pay me to say that. Now that being said, I you know my caveat was that Anthony Brown is healthy, and um, I I don't you know it is Monday right now. I don't know his status at this time. And uh, that being said, I don't think you can keep willing him out there if he's not healthy. Because if if they can't run with him at all, and you know have to keep him in the pocket and run the offense like that, I I think Wade is the better option. So. If I'm the BC coaching staff, that's how I'm going going about it. If 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 Brown is healthy, I'm playing him. But man, if he's banged up and you're afraid to let him run, then I, you got to stick with Wade because it's pretty clear the BC offense just runs a lot better when you can roll out the QB in the bootleg or let them run a little bit. It, it was pretty clear from that game on Saturday. Yeah, no question about it. You know, I did say it seemed like the offense had a lot better flow to it. Uh, the bootlegs, then rushing, handing off. Uh, with Darius Wade there, you're right. And like you said, I was surprised as well beginning the year. I thought Darius Wade was going to start the season. So I was surprised that Northern Illinois game. But uh, I do understand what you're saying about the you, – you do think it's a higher cap with Anthony Brown. Uh, but uh, Darius Wade's kind of like the old, reliable, stable uh, part of it. But you're right. The X factor is that injury. We really don't know how, in, how injured his shoulder is. I remember uh, going to the Central Michigan game. Anthony Brown, we didn't know he was hurt till after the game, the post-game press conference with Adazio. Yeah, that was surprising when he uh, he told everyone that Brown really hadn't practiced all week. And uh, um, yeah, he, he it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. I, I you know I, this isn't this isn't a team a BC team that's comparable as the last few years, and that I don't think this defense is as strong as it it's been the last couple of seasons. So. I do think you need a little bit of a scoring punch. If, if this was two or three years ago, um, 
you know, that roster with these quarterbacks, I'm probably going with Wade because I, I want him to, you know, be a little more conservative and uh, be a little more comfortable with what I'm getting game to game. But, I mean, with this defense, with the injuries and the holes that they have on it this year, I, I think I think I got to stick with Brown if he's healthy and, uh, and uh, you know, hope for the best almost because, like I said, I think he has the highest ceiling. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a great segue too. Eric, to my next question, I, I kind of want to focus on the defense, too. They, they played pretty well first half. Uh, I mean, it shows signs that secondary is pretty good. Obviously, Zach Allen, Harold Landry in the defensive end. But you're right, in, injuries to the linebackers, uh, you, it's noticeable. It's really hurt the defensive unit as a whole. Uh, also, to me, alarming, it seemed like they just really totally ran out of steam. Uh, I know it was a long game, back and forth, hot. But just I just want to get your general thoughts on the defensive unit. Yeah, I, I, I mean this. The secondary is is pretty, pretty strong right now compared to linebackers. I, I, you know, that's mostly because of a the depth issue at linebacker. Um, I am looking for a little bit more consistency from the defensive line. I know uh, Landry's been banged up, and Allen was earlier in the year, but uh, you know, I did, I did expect a little bit more from those guys this year, and. For sure, they've had flashes along the way and shown how dominant they can be. Um, you know, Zach Allen was two or three weeks ago just had an amazing game. Um, I'm I'm kind of hoping to see more consistency from those guys as the season goes on because I, I think that's the real key to the defense. If if you're getting consistent pressure off each edge from those two guys, it, it, the secondary the secondary can you know. Make a few more mistakes, take a few more chances when 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 you're getting consistent pressure on the QB. And as you alluded to uh, with the line, linebackers, man, I I'm I'm as sick as anyone else of hearing Adazio talk about injuries. But I think the one position, um, you know, I can I can kind of uh, give them some slack with is a linebacker because uh, they've been decimated by injuries at that position and. Um, that, that you know, it's not like the offensive line where you're carrying you know eleven, twelve guys on the on the roster at linebacker. You know, you're you're typically have six, seven, eight guys on there, and uh, they they've been decimated. So, um, but you know, going forward, I, I I think it's really on the defensive line to kind of pick it up and uh, be more consistent if this if this defense is gonna kind of take it up a notch. You know, even having said that, that one the big play though the defense. You know, I was just thinking about it. Uh, the last possession, forcing that fumble. I think was it Yaidam who got it? Because uh, Louisville was driving. They had just stopped BC and they were driving. You thought, oh geez, they might not be able to stop them. But uh, that was a big forced fumble there at the end of the Louisville game to get the ball back. And um, of of all the kind of units this year, the the secondary has really uh, I think kind of taken the biggest step since the start of the year because. They had a couple just brutal games at the start of the year, and uh, I was really disappointed with the unit because um, I, I just thought, you know, I'd, I'd see them take a bigger step forward from last year. But it's, it kind of seems like they're hitting their stride here in the last last couple of games, and um, they got a couple playmakers in the secondary, uh, a couple of really athletic guys. Lucas I Dennis. Mean, seen Lucas Dennis has some huge plays this year. Um, um, Isaac. You know, he, he's always got his nose on the ball. He, he's another guy that can make some big plays. So they got some playmakers back there, and uh, i, I got to give it 
guys have coaches you know they've they've coached those guys up a little bit and I, i've seen improvement this year i can say that from the secondary well speaking of improvement how about the bc offensive line uh this weekend this past weekend and of course uh aj dylan if you could just, eric just talk about those aj dylan i believe had was it 272 yards of rushing so uh that offensive line especially in the second half really came out strong yeah aj uh i mean i can't i can't even say it he was just just outstanding. I don't even have a better word for it. But he he, he pretty much uh, chugged the, the the line along, and um, I think I think that offensive line performance is what BC fans kind of wish that they've seen more of over the last the last couple of years. Uh, you know that that was kind of a performance that we saw. You know when Adazio first arrived at, at BC, when Andre Williams was around. Um, that you know, William, Williams had a great career at BC, and uh, can't take anything away from him. But man, he had he had a really good line that year, and uh, um, I, I think I think you know if we look back at um, Adazio's time here at BC, that's along with not really developing a, a quarterback. Uh, um, you know, one of the one of the other things that might kind of Take take him down is just the offensive line because he hasn't he hasn't developed them enough, um, especially over the last couple of years. And um, that performance on Saturday was just like, wow, where where has that been all year? And uh, that that'll be that'll be the interesting thing that kind of determines the fate of this team this season. I mean, if they're going to get a performance like that every weekend now. Louisville not the strongest defense in the world, so you know I don't I don't think they're going to put up that kind of rushing stats the rest of the way. And uh, but man, if if they play like that, I mean they're going to run over UConn. They're going to run over the Syracuse defense. Um, they're they're going to have some they're going to have some success. So that that's that's kind of a thing to watch almost. Uh, I, I think is even bigger than kind of who plays quarterback the rest of the way. That's the quarterback is more interesting to talk about, but the offensive line uh, is really determined the fate of this team and how much they can kind of consistently play like they did on Saturday. That's a really good point. And, you know, you kind of, when the, as you mentioned earlier, the BC defense for many years was carrying it. And now the offensive line is kind of finally coming through and it's, it's frustrating as a BC fan because you're right, the injuries of the linebackers have hurt the defense now. So it's all about like getting it all together. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's what Adazio wants to do, right? He wants to pound the rock. And, uh, if, if that offensive line is going to block like that every week, he can crack the rock, pound the rock, do whatever he wants to do with the rock. <laughs> You know, and uh, talking to Coach Brown, special teams, you know, that really has improved this year. Just quickly, Eric, your thoughts on special teams and uh, how it's progressed, not only kicking, but punting and covering on the the, the whole unit as itself. Yeah, that's uh, my favorite question to uh, Adazio each week is uh, Mike Nolan, the punting, but hey, he's done a outstanding job. Uh, Mike Walker's had some big yes, games and yes. uh, the kicking game. Mostly good. Obviously, a big, big kick to win it last weekend uh, after a little bit of a cold stretch the last couple of weeks. But yeah, I, I mean, if you're going to talk about one unit that uh, 
has played above expectations. It's the special teams for sure. They've been they've been off the charts this year. Eric, just to put a bow tie on our football conversation, where do you see these next weeks playing out? What's your prediction and uh, how the rest of the season goes? You got uh, down at UVA next week, Florida State, and uh, now you know then you got Syracuse, UConn, NC State. Just how, how do you think it all plays out? Um, you know, I think I think UConn is a win um, at Fenway. Yep, yep I, I think I think they'll win that game, even though it will be a kind of emotional game for UConn. Um, man, Syracuse coming off of that that big win Friday, and uh, but you know I'm not gonna get too revved up over that win by Cuse. It was awesome. Uh, however, last year, you know, they, they also had the emotional win over Virginia Tech and never really kind of carried the momentum with that the rest of the year. So we'll see if they can do that after the Clemson win. Um, and I guess really what what is going to seal Adazio's faith is he, he's going to have to get a difficult win um, over UVA, Florida State or NC State. Now, I don't, I don't think any of those teams are, you know, top ten unbeatable. Yeah, they're not unbeatable. Beatable teams. teams. NC State, FSU is very good personnel as always, um, and UVA is getting better, and that's a tough spot on the road. If if they got them at home, I'd I'd like their chances better, um, but. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to for Adazio finding a way to win one of those games, and uh, we'll see if we'll see if he can do it. I don't I don't think he has a lot of people thinking that uh, that he can pull that off, but um, that'll ultimately seal his face. You, you know, he has he has been able to here and there pull off uh, some some upsets, whether it be USC. Um, whether it be NC State last season and obviously Louisville this year. But I think the key for Coach Adazio is kind of putting together a string of wins now. You know, one one big win as an underdog isn't going to cut it anymore in year five, and he's got to figure out a way to carry the momentum a little bit and uh, keep rack, racking up the Ws, that's for sure. Well, we will be watching, no question about it. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go! Eagles. Uh, let's, Eric, now, as we're transitioning now, mid-October, uh, basketball starting to get going. Practices have begun over a power gym. Uh, I know you're a big BC basketball guy. Uh, what, first of all, what is your general take? Where do we stand in the program now? Jim Christian, what, what does he have to get accomplished this year uh, to get the program you know, back going, full, full throttle ahead? Well, I think... 
he has the program going in the right direction right now. This is as excited as I've been for a team since um, probably that last team of Coach Donahue's, which uh, Corey Raji, Sanders, Josh Sanders, that that era right there. No, um, a little after that with uh, his last team with uh, Olivier Hanlon, gotcha, um, Anderson, Rayhan, Dennis Clifford. You know, um, it is easy for, to forget now that. Donahue's last year, um, you know, many were projecting BC to make the tournament. Now, his his fate was sealed on scheduling way too tough of a non-conference schedule, which kind of derailed the confidence of the whole team. And uh, looking back, that really unhinged that team. But flash forward to now, and uh, I mean, I think, for, first off, everybody knows about Bowman and Robinson, but you know they've made an even bigger jump here in this off season. Um, from what I've seen and heard about Kai Bowman, um, he's really developed some better instincts at point guard. Now he was really good last year as a freshman, obviously. But you know, looking back at Kai, one thing about him and the team started to figure it out was uh, a lot of times if he started heading for the hoop, he was probably going to go up with it and try and finish. So he didn't have a lot of other moves once he started kind of getting in full throttle drive. And now he's doing a better job of kind of kicking out once he drives to the hoop or finding someone when he drives to the hoop. And it's easy to forget, this is Kai's third full season of playing basketball. You know, he obviously used to split his time playing between football and basketball and all the hoops guys nowadays, this is like a 12-month season. They're playing AAU all times of the year between that and the high school season. So I think it is important to remember it's only Bowman's third year of full-time hoops, and uh, he's getting so better every year. It's kind of scary what, what he has the potential to do this year. Um, Robinson's got a little bit stronger, um, kind of developing his all-around game better. So, um You'll, you'll see a jump from both those guys, as hard as it might be to believe, they because they were both really good last year, but they're both better. And obviously, addition of Teddy Hawkins is huge. Um, he kind of gives them a third legit, good, ECC-quality basketball player. Um, he also brings a little bit of a toughness and attitude that I think the team hasn't always had every year. Um you know, he's not going to put up with any crap with guys getting pushed around or anything like that. So he's going to bring an attitude that's, uh, quite frankly, kind of been missing since, like, dare I say, the Al Skinner days with uh, some of the some of the guys he had on that team that brought some attitude, like a, a Sean Marshall or someone like that. Yeah. So yep. with those three right there, that's that's a really good that's a really good first step for them. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned three right there. You know, basketball's a lot different than football. You don't need a lot, a lot of pieces. You need, you know, a good four or five players, a couple people off the bench, you're pretty good to go. Uh, so let's fill in the remaining pieces. What do you think? How is everyone else looking on this squad this year, in your opinion? Well, I've been encouraged by uh, Stephon Mitchell. I, I didn't have huge aspirations for him, but he's proven in practices and um, – kind of the trip the team took over the summer that he's like a legitimate junkyard dog kind of guy. 
He's that kind of guy that every good team needs that's going to play good defense, grab boards, hustle for the ball. So I'm really encouraged by that because I didn't, I didn't really think that they necessarily had a guy like that. Um, so that's been a great development. Um, now, uh, Jordan Chapman, um, you need to see him take a little bit more of a step. At times, he delivered a nice three-point presence on the team. Um, you got to have more of that from him this year. Um, one of the guy I think's really key is Nick Popovich. Um, he he showed flashes last year that he can be a legitimate ACC player. Um, with him, it's all about it's all about keeping that confidence up, keeping that confidence going. I, I saw him lose confidence at times last year, and he's just kind of got to be a little less emotional and just kind of take everything in stride. It's a long season, and just the coach has got to help him not get too up or too down. And uh, those are those are those are the guys that I kind of feel like I know what I'm getting at least somewhat night in and night out. Um, after that, there's obviously a lot of question marks, and you know, <laughs> to be honest, if they could get somebody else outside of that group to kind of be a consistent performer, I mean, it's not crazy to think this team could make a bid for the tournament. Now, that's a huge step that somebody's going to have to take, whether it be Mike Sagay, Ben Baker Jr. John Carlos Reyes, those are kind of my candidates for guys to take that step. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen, but that that's that's something that's something we'll have to watch and wait and see if it, if it develops. Now, like you said, basketball is a sport. You only need a couple of guys to step up. Is getting unbelievable performances from Bowman, Robinson, and Hawkins every night with one other guy chipping in enough to grab a, grab enough wins. We'll have to see. I will say, though, that um, there's been NBA general managers, not just scouts, general managers down to BC practices here in this offseason. Oh, yeah? We, which so ones? Which there ones? is legitimate buzz that BC has two guys in the backcourt that are you know, potential NBA guys, and uh, yeah. that's that's pretty exciting to me. I I, I think it does kind of tell the story that Bowman and Robinson have even taken that extra step, and let's see how big of a step they've taken because things could uh, things could get exciting again. There's I, I think there's legitimate potential for it at the very least. I mean, going in the last few seasons, I I we might have. As fans, people might have thought the team had potential, but I think deep down we knew they weren't ready to compete. But this is the first time since since Donahue's last year that I've looked at the team and be like, all right, I could see a scenario where things go right and this turns into a really good season. And yeah. yeah, and you look a year ago from now, Kai Bowman really was a question mark. We didn't really know what he was going to materialize. So you're right. Freshmen's develop, and you know, it, it kind of the season takes its course of its own. But I'm interested. What general managers were in Power Gym? Did you notice? Um, I just heard there were some, and I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head which ones because someone was, to be honest, someone was rifling off and like the different teams that had scouts and the yeah. different ones that has GMs. So I don't know. I know Danny Ainge was not there, so I know that's probably the most interesting to people around here. But um, <laughs> there were a couple of general managers so 
that's uh, that's exciting. And looking down the pipeline, um, there's a kid they grab for next season that's going to come on campus, Winston Tabs, and um, I've seen some video of this guy. This this guy is a legitimate player, and uh, I I I, I got to hand it to uh, to the staff. They they have been able to spot these guards that not necessarily were these uh, really well-known guys, especially in Bowman and Robinson. Tabs is more well-known. You know, he's a legitimate top 100, top 150 player. Um, and you'll, you'll hear lots of stuff about him this winter because I, I think he's going to really blow it up in D.C. And uh, As is the case, though, that, that we've seen here, you know, it's, they need to get something from uh, – you know the four and the five spot. That's that's going to be a key, and uh, even the three spot too. I th- I think Teddy T- Teddy Hawkins uh, be able to handle playing the three and the four. But you know a, a big presence, whether it be from Pop or someone else. Um, you know they've got to they've got to develop some four and five players in pretty quickly while they have Bowman and Robinson around. So that'll be the million dollar question. Especially in the ACC, you're, you're right. What do you know about Chris Cheeks, new assistant coach, came in, uh, Stan Heath left really kind of late in the game in the recruiting cycle. I think it was September. Uh, what does he bring to the staff? Well, he brings someone that uh, has a track record of being a really good recruiter. And uh, you already saw that a couple of weeks ago with uh, getting that big visit from Jarius Hilton. Um I mean, to be honest, from what I've seen um, and, and the visits and, you know, players he's contacted and got interest from, I've already seen him do a better job than I saw Stan Heath do here in a couple of seasons. So uh got to give credit to Chris Cheeks. He's hit the ground running. He's got some buzz going about the program. He's taking advantage of kind of the, the, the national press that Bowman and Robinson have received because at the end of the day, that's that's what a lot of these recruits want to see. They want to see that you've been able to send guys to the NBA, develop players to send to the NBA, and uh, BC obviously has not had a track record of that uh, any time recently. So uh, I think I think Chris Cheeks is doing a really good job of kind of running with that, and uh, he's he's generated some buzz. So so. At this point, he's got to, uh, you know, take that extra step and land someone too. But what a start by him uh, in his short time here at BC. Yeah, you're right. It's all about the NBA. That's that's what players care about. Can you get me to the NBA? And uh, you're right. It's been uh, Jared Dudley, Craig Smith, uh, and then it's been you know a little bit of a gap there. So I think it's important too. Next couple of years, get Bowman, Robbins, get them to the NBA, get the the train rolling. Absolutely. Um, just talk about too. You know, I was at practice when Jarius Hamilton came in, and just judging by the size of him, he does look like a legit player. Uh, do you know anything about him and where he's leaning? I know he's getting some big time offers, Duke as well, the powers of the ACC. Uh, but where is how's this all going to play out in the next couple months? Yeah, I, 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 I don't expect BC to get him. Um, that's for sure. But at the same time, I mean, just getting someone on campus like with that kind of uh, recruiting stature is is uh it's big news it, it caught people around the nation like wow look at look at bc bringing this guy in um and that's that's what they need to create more of some buzz and uh um you know 
like you said, there's some big time programs after this kid. So uh, I don't, I don't think BC is going to ultimately land him. But I mean, hell, that's that's such a great first step. Even even getting a guy like that to to visit you, and uh, you know, BC needs to needs to do more of that. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. I don't I don't think he he ultimately chooses BC, but. Still, it is exciting to uh, at least get some big visits from uh, some big-time players, that's for sure. And I have to be honest, too, Marin Jarman did a good job, but during that practice he was there, he met Jarius, uh, and they were, they were talking. He was, you know, so he was very involved. It was nice to see the athletic director come to basketball practice uh, before a football game and uh, talk to Hamilton. Yeah, that's big. It shows uh, shows dedication uh, for, for athletics when uh, – and it, it shows that he's a priority when uh, you bring the AD in. I mean, I know uh, I know Brad Bates used to, you know, come in and, and uh, see recruits too. So I don't know if it's that new, but I'm, I'm going to guess that Martin German a uh, little bit more dynamic of a presence talking to recruits than uh, than Brad was. You know, Eric, last question here. Looking nationally, recruiting, we've heard Rick Pitino, Louisville, he's out. What's your whole general take of college basketball recruiting? I think people who are not involved day-to-day at the game are like, geez, what's going on with college basketball and recruiting? Uh, what's your whole take? I'm interested to get your take. Oh, boy. I mean, uh, <laughs> I wasn't surprised by by any of it. Um, I mean, you, you see people doing stuff right out in the open with recruiting, whether it's hiring someone's AAU coach hiring uh, a parent of a player, hiring a relative of a player. I mean, people do that every day. Um, you know, there's there's schools that will hire, you know, family members of AAU coaches. Um, and, you know, somehow the AAU players magically end up at that school. So there's lots of that going on right out in the open that nobody's hiding that can – you can you can discover from just searching staff directories and stuff like that. So when that kind of you know questionable questionable but legal behavior is going on right out in the open, you know it it, it opens up your your eyes quite a bit, and you know you, you can only use an educated guess and just imagine what goes on behind the scenes if, if programs are willing to to kind of really I wouldn't call it stretch the rules, but really walk right across the line in doing that and uh that's that's you know the world of college basketball right now you you know you unfortunately you go to a an aau tournament and see some of these coaches there and god you almost feel like you need to take a shower after going there or something it's uh it's an interesting world we live in in college hoops but you know the short answer no i wasn't I wasn't surprised by any of that. I don't think anyone that covers recruiting or has covered recruiting was even blinked when they saw that news, to be honest. Who do you see now? Well, short-term, affecting BC, will Louisville, you think, be down this year? And last question, who, who's the top of the ACC uh, this year with the, going into the basketball season? Well, Louisville probably will be down this year because they not only, you know, all the nonsense and distractions from with Patino, but now they've lost a couple of kids that have decommitted and um, have really deflated their roster. I mean, I've they probably went from 
team that will, would compete the top four. To, they're probably a fringe tournament team right now, to be honest. Um, with some of the guys they've lost that were supposed to be in this season. So, uh, and with, with the ACC, uh, God, I never pick against Duke. So, not really a sexy prediction, but that's who I see at the top. And uh, we'll see about BC. Uh, I think they have the potential to be like, I don't know, seventh, eighth team in the ACC. And if they reach that potential, that could potentially be an NCAA tournament berth. But I don't know. I feel like I've used the word potential quite a bit here. So um, <laughs> nothing, nothing is a lock, that's for sure. Lots of... Lots of questions going into the season, but I think for once, you know, the first time in many years, this team has three, like I said, three really legitimate ACC players in Bowman Robinson and now Teddy Hawkins. And uh, I don't know if people caught it, but we did throw up uh, on BC Interruption on Monday a link to a story that had Teddy Hawkins to be projected as the uh, ninth highest scoring transfer this season, so that would be big if that plays out for BC. If if uh, he he pans out as a guy who uh, puts up you know fourteen fifteen points a game for this team. Well, regardless, it is a very interesting time of year. Football, basketball getting going, so it's a good time to be a college sports fan. And Eric Hopsis, we thank so much for joining us here on the Lights Camera Sports Podcast. You got it, Mike. Thanks for having me. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Well, thank you so much for listening to the Lights Camera Sports Podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. And thanks once again to Eric Hofsis for joining us on the podcast. It's a very, very exciting time of year. Well, I'd like to remind everybody, too, if you're a BC football fan, you need to sign up for the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com for more details and to sign up. It's a great group. All right, this is Mike Galtieri signing off. We'll see you again next week.